podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Podcasting to you from a field here in beautiful rural Ireland, I'm Trev Denny and this is Malby on the spot, your weekly chance. Thanks to Anfield Index Pro to hear the wit and wisdom of Liverpool and Denmark legend Jan Malby as we talk about all things Liverpool Football Club. So let's begin again. Good evening, Jan. Good evening, Trevor. Uh, I hope you're well. I am, man. We have uh, we have pretty much exactly what we wanted to talk about, to talk about, which was two successful outings uh, for the Reds with yet another pair to look forward to. Uh, and it's very hard to be too upset about that type of an arrangement. And I say successful, um, I had a little bit of of regret, uh, disappointment uh, lingering around on the uh, in the immediate aftermath of the City game. Um, but it went exactly as a certain Danish lad I know predicted. Uh, exactly. I do believe it was the, the score and, and, uh, to a T. Uh, and, you know, in the bigger scheme of things, we're still alive. We keep some hope, um, uh, uh, you know, very much burning. Um, and, and we and we get to, you know, have a bit of hope still that it could still happen for us over the course of the remaining seven games or whatever it is. So let's start there, Jan, with that City game. Uh, so exactly predicted by yourself as a two-all drawn. What did you make of it? And, you know, your, t- talk me through, you know, your immediate uh, if feelings on it, because I'm sure you had to talk about it professionally. And then maybe as it sat with you over the last couple of days, does it look as good or worse or better? Well, I think if, if, if you take into consideration how we generally played, and, and we played a bit like we played in the first game when we drew Choo with them at Anfield, we played in spells. What I like is that when we're on top, they're, they're, when we're on top against Manchester City, we tend to score. And, and I think that's really important, isn't it? Because you, you have to accept to a certain extent that they will have a little bit more possession than us. And so when you can be as effective as we are when we're on top, I, I can live with that all day. My first immediate reaction after the game was that they probably looked the better team. Uh, but we didn't play. And I, it's difficult to put a finger on, but there were certain aspects of our game that I thought, well, that's not quite us. Uh, so I was a little bit disappointed with our performance, not the results, but with our performance. And then I thought, well, considering the way we play and how we know what we got and what we're capable of, we still didn't get beat. So I, I can live with that. And the next thought then is that I think we'll be better at Wembley. I think we're better at Wembley than what we were at the Etihad last Sunday. Uh, so I think there's a lot of hope for that one. And in terms of the title change, I mean, the there were Liverpool fans saying, oh, well, that's it because City will win the last seven games. They've just had 
a monster of a week, haven't they, Trevor? You know, you, you think the game against Liverpool was tough. The two against Atletico Madrid were monsters for them, you know what I mean? So I, I just can't have it. I just can't have it that both teams, Liverpool and Manchester City, will win all their Premier League games. So I still think there's plenty to, to, to play for. So I'm quite optimistic. I'm glad you've landed there because that's over the course of the few days where I got to as well. Like I say, initial disappointment because you'd love to have gotten the win because I think it would it would have been, you know, as you rightly point out, it would have been um, probably undeserved on the balance of play. Uh, but that would have made it all the sweeter. However, um, what I was trying to convince other people of immediately on the show that I was doing was that it wouldn't really matter if we had won anyway in terms of relaxing. The idea that, you know, a Liverpool win was the title is bullshit because like you say, you know, we have got some, you know, people, we, we can rationalise it all we want about where United are and where Everton are and Newcastle and all the various other clubs we have to play in the greater scheme of things, but they are still clubs that have a very, very strong passion to beat Liverpool. Uh, so, you know, there's no guarantee that we win all our games. Anyway, so the win against City, had it happened, uh, did not mean you could relax. So I just think everybody needs to, I think you said it last week as well, you know, this is this this is what everyone wanted. We, we wanted a team that could challenge for all the honours and they're still doing it. And it, the necessary... Uh, result of that is that we're all going to be stressed off our fucking heads, and so be it. I think it's uh, it's it's something we can all live with, Jan. Well, I think when, when we talk about the seven Premier League games we have left, yes, but we don't just have them to play, do we? You know, we have we have another couple of tournaments, you know, more difficult games, and so when you put all that in together, and it's the same for Manchester City. You know, I I I just find it difficult that people just assume. That this is what's going to happen. It's not, I still think there's a lot of football to be played. There's injuries to be picked up. You know, there's there's, there's things that will happen in in, in games. This and so no, I, I just think there's a long, long way to go in this. You know, I, I'm looking forward to talking to you about the fixtures. I think we should do that again, just as a separate feature. Um, but our usual pattern is to talk about games that have occurred. So just. In terms of takeaways from that City game, because I want to look then in a bit more detail, the one that will be fresher in people's minds, which is, of course, the really, really, really weird game that happened at Anfield last night, uh, the 3-3 draw with um, Benfica. But let's just look back to that City game. The takeaways for you, man, because, look, realistically speaking, uh, we were lucky enough last night to have... um, Push yourselves through to Champions League semi-finals, where if we if we did well enough to get past Villarreal, the likelihood is that it'll be Manchester City, who are the 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 other team I think in the continent at the moment uh, that are just likely to beat anyone they play. So if we're lucky enough to get past Villarreal, we may have a big another big uh, uh, interaction with them. We already have one on Saturday in the FA Cup. So they are looming large in our future, whether we are looking at how they get on in their own Premier League games or how we're going to play against them in an FA Cup semi-final or, again, nothing taken for granted. Should we be uh, do well enough to get past Villarreal, a potential Champions League final as well? So whatever way you call it, they loom large. So I'm wondering what your takeaways were. 
And I'm just going to queue up a few things because an awful lot of people went straight to the high line because they're lazy bastards. And my take on that, Jan, was if you've got players like Kevin De Bruyne who can release passes at exactly the correct moment uh, and you've got lads who are intelligent runners off the ball, like City have some of the finest examples of that, then there's a good chance that they're going to catch any team uh, regardless. So I thought that sort of qualified that a little bit. And also you go back to the stats saying, look at how well we do, look at how much, look at how important it is, look at what a necessary f- uh, part of our game plan it is if we're going to play the way that we want to play under Jurgen. So that's one thing I wouldn't mind you just uh, addressing because it's going to be a feature at least twice more this season, uh, potentially. Um, and then, you know, as well, if you had any other major takeaway from the game, from a City perspective, where you look at them and you think something positive or something negative that struck you about them as a team. Well, I can speak from a little bit of experience in terms of I've almost half been there myself, Trevor, when when I became a player manager and dropped down the leagues. I inherited a team at, at Swansea and, and, and went to work with them and I wanted to play football. And everybody tells me, you can't play football at this level. I mean, we are talking almost 25 years ago and football in the lower leagues were brutal in those days. And they said, you can't do what you want to do. But then we got it right. We ended up with the player fans and then about Wembley. And then when I went to Kidderminster, I did the same thing. But it was different because I chose two centre-halves who were both five foot eleven, And people said, you can't, can't do anything at this level without centre-halves or six foot six. You know, we won the league by nine points. So it's a bit the same with Jurgen Klopp, isn't it? So I was commentating on the game against Manchester City. We go back to our studio at half-time and they talk about Liverpool's high line. And they say, if Liverpool don't change this, and I'm, we come back to me and I go, well, they won't. We know they won't. What Klopp will do is, and he will be after his midfield players. He'll want more from his midfield players because they're the ones he's always after. The midfield players have to protect the, the back four and the midfield players also have to protect us when we attack. When our attacking players take risks with the ball and they lose it, then it's always on our midfield. So Klopp would have said to our midfield at, at half-time, you have to improve. We keep the line. We, we don't put away from the line. And, th- and that's how we play. In terms of Manchester City, like everybody we play against, when we're on top, even Manchester City become vulnerable because of the way that we play. Even Manchester City can't back, get back in position quick enough to deal with the way that we play. So I think that's a positive from our point of view and that's a negative from their point of view, isn't it? What they do to other teams, we're capable of doing to them, isn't it? Which every time we play them gives me hope. We have been up against other teams in the Premier League over the last 30 years and whether that was Arsenal when they were at their best, but Manchester United were at best, you kind of go, I don't quite feel the same with City. I always think we're in the game with City. We're very much on level par with, with, with City, isn't it? So there isn't necessarily any real negatives about Manchester City because of all the good players they've got. Although from their game on Wednesday in Madrid, and it was a bit of a bruiser, wasn't it? Uh, there is rumours that Cal Walker and Kevin De Bruyne might have, have picked up some knocks. It might be minor knocks. I don't know. And we, we, we don't want the game to be robbed of, of the better players for, for, for any period, you know. But, you know, when we, we look at what Kevin De Bruyne is capable of doing against us, and he's got this knack against us of late, hasn't he? You know, where he's really effective, isn't he? So, sometimes you have to take everything you, you can in the book. No, I, I think it's... We start again on Saturday at Wembley. We're very much in it, isn't it? As I said before, I can't see us... I can't see our midfield operating like it did at the Etihad again. You know, our midfield have to be better than what they were at the Etihad. Is that the case? 
then I think you might have to go to Wembley again this season, Trevor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is going to be very, very uh, uh, gratifying if it happens. And we will look forward to the games that are coming up, obviously, including that City game towards the end of the show, like we always do. And the other game that uh, has happened uh, since we last spoke was last night's. Uh, I described it as a very weird match because it felt very weird to me. The whole feel of it was was odd. Uh, you got the impression that we had a Liverpool team who were obviously first first of all, and again, feel free to address as as few or as many of these things as you like. First of all, I thought right, we're almost straight into cliche territory because uh, the there there's a level of you could say disrespect involved in the lineup chosen, <clears throat> which, you know, old fashioned idea, opposition manager is delighted with this, team talk done, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you know all the cliches. Uh, then they, those guys take to the field and, uh, you know, ironically, we concede um, goals when we have uh, far more notable first teamers uh, in the, in the, in the, on the, on the, on the pitch in, in the second half. So they, I guess they do all right. And there are patches of the game, Jan, where there's great football and there's patches of the game where it felt a bit like a friendly or one of those ones that is almost a formality, a little bit of a dead rubber. Uh, it had that feel to it. And yet they always carried a threat, Benfica, and you have to give them credit for that. They always carried a threat throughout the game. Um, we were playing with fire a little bit again over the course of the match. And in this case, you could say perhaps there were two individuals uh, on two separate occasions who were possibly responsible for not getting the line right and therefore for the two goals uh, that they got in the second half. So there's a bit there I've, I've thrown on the table, but just in terms overall of your takeaway from the performance, what, what, what were the key ideas that you got from last night and what was a strange game? Well, I was, I was kind of preparing myself for you coming on here and going, what a wonderful game of football. Because I felt exactly like you felt. You know, I spoke to people at the end of the game and go, oh, that was a great game of football. And I thought, well, it, it had a bit of a weird feeling to it, you know. And I don't know whether that already starts when the team sheet is out and we make... Uh, funny, funny enough, I was, in, I was in Copenhagen on the Tuesday night in the studio and, and we briefly spoke about the Liverpool game and they said, what do you think Klopp will do? And I said, I think he'll make seven or eight changes. And they went, no way. And, and, and as soon as he said that, I realised <laughs> seven or eight is too many, Trevor, isn't it? I thought, yeah... I've gone overboard. Absolutely. He's not going to make seven, eight. I said, because the way I work is that Alisson will play, Van Dijk will play, and Mo Salah will play. Because they always play. I know Mo Salah looks like he needs a rest, but he still always plays. So I assume them three will play, isn't it? And of course, then when we saw the team news, you think, okay. So instant, I don't think there was a great deal of risk involved. You know, I don't think... And, and that was the... I think that's why we're so relaxed, Trevor, isn't it? That... We, we were never in any danger of not making the semi-final. So as much as there was a bit of excitement here and everywhere, there was no real risk involved. But of course, you, you, you then look at the structure of, of the team and you think, back four, you'll have to help me out here, Trevor. Have they ever played together in, 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 in that way? Probably not. So, no. And I, think, and I think it was then proven, Trevor, wasn't it, that you want to play like we do with that high line, but you want that high line to be a straight line, you need to play together. And you could obviously see they haven't. As I said, I don't know whether they have. If they have, it might have been once or twice. But you could see that. You know what I mean? So that was a bit of a problem. And then I thought, again, we, we had a midfield problem. Uh, James Milner. I, I, James Milner. Is his contribution now coming on for 15, 20 minutes? 
in certain games that just needs what he can bring for 15 or 20 minutes. Probably. Naby Keita sort of been in and out, isn't it? Didn't really get involved. And I thought Jordan Henderson probably continued not really involving, not really involved as much as we had thought, isn't it? Uh, so Lewis Diaz was energetic and did his bit. Uh, I thought once Bobby got going, and I think with Bobby it was a case of, yeah, he wants to do his stuff and he needs to get the tempo of the game. And I thought once he got the tempo of the game, he played well and he got his goals. And Schotter, it's always when Schotter doesn't score to have, isn't it? You always kind of go, what is his contribution when he doesn't score? Isn't it? And it was typical one of them games, isn't it? We then made changes. Didn't affect the game greatly. Uh, but my argument is, we could have played our strongest eleven and achieved exactly what we achieved anyway, which is the fact that we're through to the semi-final, isn't it? Yeah, and there's a, there's a lot there because you know there is that old and again it's another old-fashioned notion of well do you should should you not just secure that result um, uh, by playing a much stronger looking team from the start and then hopefully take them off, but I guess it's at least it is an option now because we've never had this before where we could have a bench so ridiculously full of talent uh, to bring onto the field. And it's there that you started to feel that relaxation because you were thinking, okay, well, even if it does go tits up, we can bring on, you know, there's umpteen game changers who can come on from the bench, which is a massive, massive uh, deal and, and, and a luxury that we're still not used to. But there are a couple of things that arise from that. I, I Yeah, I just want to tease this thing out with you a little bit about we spoke a lot on the immediate in the in in the post match raw podcast that we do. Uh, it's usually 10, 15 minutes after kickoff, so it's like you when you're doing your immediate post match analysis, and things are sort of very fresh in your memory. And I, I'm ter- I'm ridiculously fond of James Milner. I think he's had a, a a remarkable contribution to the Klopp era in a way that. I think some people are, are can be a bit too cynical and, 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 and not understand the full impact of it is. It may not be tangible in the way of assists and goals and stuff like that, but he's a lad, I think, who, who, who's had an Im- immeasurable impact on the squad and has done very well in games for us. But last night, it looked to me like that was the game where maybe it dawned on James Milner that perhaps this isn't for him from the start in a massive, massive match. Um, is that too harsh, Sean? Because I know it. I know what happens. I know what happens to professional footballers. I've heard a few of them talk about it. I mean, it just felt to me like he was sort of half a, a, a beat off the pace um, of everything. Always kind of full stretch to get to something. And you know, we spoke last night about how he's great at getting foot ins and, and and interceptions and stuff like that, but. A lot of them weren't coming off for him, or he was just a bit getting turned easily, or he's you'd look around, he's on his arse. And I know a lot of people were falling over, maybe it was slippy, but I just felt, Jesus, I I think we may have seen the last start for Jimmy Miller in a big game. And that's both sad and also possibly realistic. I don't know. I, like I say, I'm very fond of the fellow. What, what, what's your take on that? Well, I'm, I'm very fond of him too. Uh, but I think in a case like this, you have to be brutal. And respectful, uh, you know, and, 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 and how do you get that balance right? It, it, it's absolutely not easy. And you talk about his contribution. And there is, a, there is a group of players of which he's won and Jordan Henderson and Lallana when he was there, whatever. 
who are massively part of creating that work ethic and that discipline that, that they now have and which makes it so much easier for the next group of leaders to come in, which is now Big Virgin and all that makes it so much easier for them because there's a culture at the club already, isn't it? And, and I think that will probably be the biggest thing that, that James Milner takes with him when he goes, that he was part of changing that, that culture of a football club, changing the way that, 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 that people approach the training sessions, approach the games and the way they look after themselves. And, but yeah, in terms of, we never talk about, uh, I might even go a step further and go, we never actually realise that it's over when we're still playing or while we're still playing. Once we've retired and you kind of, and then you can sort of look back on your career and go, yeah, that's probably when it was finished. But while you're still in it, because your memory is so fresh, Trevor, of you being capable of doing it. You know, so James Miller would have gone yeah. home last night. He would have had a cup of tea. Uh, and he would have sat there and gone, not my best game. But you know what? I can still do this. You know, and, and, and that sometimes is the problem, isn't it? And that's why in situations like that, it's a bit like being injured. You need somebody to help you. Yeah, you need somebody to, to make that decision for you, isn't it? And, and I think you, you're not a million miles off, Trevor. You know, games at, at that intensity, you know, Benfica are not at Manchester City's level and whatever else. It might not be for James Miller anymore. And I thought that was actually one of the biggest disappointments for me against Benfica is that we allowed them to play their own game. And, and once you allow them to play their game, technically... They're a good team. You know, the, the likes of Adam Trapp that we've seen over here play for QPR and Spurs and whatever. But but we allowed him to play his game. You know, he was playing his texting little games. He was getting a few nutmegs and whatever. And and we never managed to stress them. And, and, and James was a part of that because that's where we set the tone, isn't it? Yeah, I think, like you say, I mean, there's an adjustment period, but there's also a period, I think, uh, where you just... I think it's sudden. I think when it happens, it's sudden. I think, I think you know, it's really interesting to get your take on it because you, you, the player themselves, like like you used to tell me with injuries. I mean, the, certainly, certainly, twenty years ago, the player couldn't really be trusted, right? To 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 talk about to talk about injuries. So say say when you were playing and 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 we're, we're the greatest team in the land, and still if a Dalglish or a Malby or a Rush has a knock. If 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 he's asked by the gaffer, are you all right? You uh, tell me if I'm wrong here, but you're gonna say, yeah, I'm, I'm fucking grand. Don't mind me. I'll be I'll be okay. Whereas now players have a, have an, an inclination to be way way more honest and look after themselves in the long term and all that kind of thing. So in that same way i don't think a player can be trusted to know when when maybe the the, the signs are on the wall as well that's true isn't it Trevor, <laughs> have i ever told you the steve nichols story go ahead you know you can't you know you can't trust players so <laughs> we're playing norwich city away and i think it's in a cup game and we draw 1-1, it's in the snow. You know, the, the further the game goes, it's snow and snow and snow. We come off the pitch, and uh, I, I actually remember this. It was straight from the kickoff. It was either the kickoff of the second half or when one of the goals was scored. And the ball was played across, and Steve Nichol went to head it. And one of the Norwich City players either elbowed him 
or headed the side of his face. So he's just so agony, but he finishes the game, which is what he did in those days. We then come into the dressing after the game, and you can see we have no club doctor or physio, so it's up to Ronnie Moran to have a little look, and Ronnie doesn't quite know, and Steve Nicholl can hardly open his mouth. So Ronnie goes, oh, we'll probably need to have that looked at. Then the coach driver comes in, he goes, uh, we ain't going back, too much snow on the roads, we're staying over. So the lads are going, fucking nights out. There's fuck all wrong with Steve Nicholl now, yeah? He's, he's on a <laughs> night out. He's, Trevor, he's on a night out. We get to a nightclub, yeah? He can only drink out of a straw. He can't open his mouth. <laughs> he can't open his mouth. Yeah? Next morning, we're leaving Norris at 10 o'clock in the morning. Thursday morning, I'll never forget. We get on the coach. His face is twice the fucking size. He's red, blue, yellow. <laughs> he just looks ridiculous, yeah? We're due to play... We're due to play Man United on the Sunday at Anfield. So we're heading back up towards Anfield, uh, up towards Liverpool, and Kenny goes, I'll tell you what he says. You can have a few beers on the coach. Out comes the fucking straw again, Steve Nicholl. He's drinking <laughs> straw in the can. We get back to Anfield at half two, and Kenny goes, fuck it, he says, go and have a drink. Go to Ronnie Whelan's pub, and then... Uh, Go home, be home for like five or six o'clock, get some treat, have a good sleep, come in training tomorrow and we're ready for the Man United game. And, and Ronnie Moran goes to Steve Nichol, what about you? And Steve Nichol, he, he can't even speak. He goes, I- I'm fine. He says, I don't think there's wrong with me. Yeah. So he goes, <laughs> he goes with us to Ronnie Whelan's pub, yeah. <laughs> Friday morning he gets up, <laughs> his wife takes him straight to hospital. He smashed his fucking jaw, hasn't he? <laughs> you, know when, you know you can't trust players. <laughs> I can picture him sitting there with that mm. fucking straw in a can of Heineken you know what I mean and you would have thought you would have thought wouldn't you when we got back to Anfield Thursday afternoon either gone to hospital he goes I think I'm alright I'll be fine okay now I think he was out for six I think he was out for six weeks with a broken jaw okay now so oh, no. I can't believe and he got, he got oh wow don't wow. ever. And he goes Don't on for the second night as well with his straw. Oh, Good old plank. <laughs> that was the belter, wasn't it? We thought, well, all right, fair enough. He's, he, he's making his way through a few cans on the way back on the coach, yeah. But surely when he goes back, he'll go to hospital, yeah. No, I'm all right. I'm great, yeah. Fucking great. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, there's literally no better... There's literally no better uh, uh, story to, 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 to illustrate the point than, than that. That is absolutely ridiculous. And you know what, man? It's, it's, it's just, it's just, it's kind of human nature. Obviously, okay, old Plank there takes it to, to the extremes. All right. Well, well, he took, it is, he it took is, everything to the extreme. So I've, I've told you that's it. If you, if you got injured on a Saturday, there would be no treatment after the match here. You know, whereas today, if you come off the pitch injured and they muscle in the eye straight away, they'll treat you after the game. They didn't used to do that in our day. So what you had to do was come in on a Sunday morning. And you would come in on a Sunday morning, you sit on the treatment bed, and Ronnie Moran would just sit there and talk to you. And he'd try to take your mind off the injury. And then after about 20 minutes talking, he'd go, how are you feeling? And you'll go, oh, oh, yeah, I'm feeling great. No, no problems at all. <laughs> and then once, once, you, once you declared that you were all right, then you had to fucking train on a Monday, didn't you? There was no way out of it. And that was how they did it. You know, instead of you coming in 
And they go, oh, that's not looking too good. That's not looking too good. They talked about everything else. Uh, how's the lawn looking, Jan? And how's this and that, whatever. And then they go, you all right? And you go, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, no problems at all. You know, instead of just fuss over you straight away, where if you'd have come in on a Sunday morning, they'd gone, that doesn't look good. You'd have gone, no, I know. But the fact that they went, that looks all right to me. You'd go, yeah, looks fine to me. And that's how he was, Trevor. You know, psychology, unbelievable. I'm not suggesting it did any good for, you know, for our careers at such in it, but that's how he was in those days, isn't it? You know what I mean? Don't give him a fucking excuse. You know what I mean? Tell him, that's fine, lad. You'll be all right, won't you? Yeah, I'll be absolutely fine. Don't you worry about me. <laughs> Oh, God. I absolutely love this, man. Oh, what I love about that is this is like the greatest era of, of what, one of the greatest eras of one of the greatest teams. And, and that's what's happening in the background. And, 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 and there's the extended story as well about Ronnie used to have the infrared gun uh, for, for, you know, massaging. And most of the times it wasn't even plugged in or it didn't work and he'd just be rubbing it. And, and, and again, lads just get up and go, yeah, I feel better after that. You know, oh, yeah. and, and it's, yeah. The basic psychology is, is 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 remarkable, and to be successful with that, and actually how most of you guys didn't end up with career-ending injuries as a result of that kind of careless cavalier attitude, it's remarkable, man. It is remarkable. The treatment was yeah. Ronnie Moran, a bucket, and a cloth. That was it. He used <laughs> to come on that pitch with the fucking bucket and a cloth. And I give a little look, and he'll go, "That'll be all right." Because he didn't know, he didn't know what to, you know. He didn't, you, you, you look for injuries or whatever. He didn't know what to do. And if there's a bit of a blood of a swelling, he just dip the cloth in, in a bit of a water and dap it on and go, "That'll be all right now, lad. That'll be all right now." You know, John John Wall, John Wall broke his fucking foot, the cop end against Norwich, yeah, and he just rolled him off the pitch behind the goal, made the substitutions. And he had to make his way from behind the goal all the, over to the uh, dugout. <laughs> and the cop burst into song because he went, Johnny can't walk, Johnny can't walk. <laughs> <laughs> you thought somebody would have gone and given him a hand, yeah. <laughs> He'd be all right. <laughs> Walking around the pit with a broken foot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Uh, oh, yeah, it's just, it's, uh, that's, that's, that's. that's <laughs> we're off track here John. <laughs> we, we, we've gone right off track that's okay that's exactly what we like to do here uh, yeah and, and 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 it brings us to a sort of natural division anyway because right we've looked back at those two games and you know that was one little thing i wanted to talk to you about because it's it's, it's wonderful having the, the the squad and then ironically consider what we were just talking about like the the lack of injuries is a, is a wonderful thing. It's so rare. Uh, Jurgen's had no luck with that since he started at all. So it is nice. Um, and uh, there's a, there's a, a sort of a freedom now that he has for selection. So he can do something that might be a bit extreme. And I don't think there's any doubt that that was an extreme choice to go with that lineup. And like I said, could almost have been deemed, if it wasn't for the comparative quality of some of the lads coming in, could almost have been deemed disrespectful. Um, I'm sure that's exactly how Benfica took it. But... There's just one more thing that I want to dwell on here as well, because it is of significance. Um, and it's as a direct result of mucking about, perhaps, with the entire defence uh, lineup um, in last night's game. Uh, 
And also, you know, the fact that we've just played Manchester City, who are, you know, a very, 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 very good team. But the upshot is we've conceded five in two. And that's very not not Liverpool. Uh, and if we're being perfectly honest, uh, Darwin Nunes, and we'll get a take from you on him in a second, uh, had a belter of a hit right into the bottom corner. It was just going to nestle in at the butt of the post. And Alisson, because he's the best there is, gets across full length, really strong hand to save it. That would have given them 4-3 on the night. And you the way we were playing, you couldn't have really begrudged them. We we did some wonderful things, but, you know, it's not like we were rattling the post or anything like that. So they could have, deserved, maybe it would have been a bit of a mugging, but they could easily have won that game. So there's a couple of things there. One, what, is, there, is there a reason to be concerned about that, um, you know, recent habit of conceding? Um, or should we just take it for granted, really, because... We have evidence that, you know, we'll get the big man back in and, and he'll be alongside Joel and we'll have the two lads who are drilled to within an inch of their lives and all will be well. I mean, what's your take on that? Well, my take is always, Trevor, uh, and I do use the sense quite a bit, on all given evidence, you know, and I think that's what we have to trust. On all given evidence, this is how we play and we play it well. Now, it's funny you mentioned that Alison save uh, from Nunes because... That save was very much in line with Alisson's season. But I didn't think it was in line with his performance last night. I'm not suggesting that he didn't play okay. But I just felt it was one of those where they go in. You know, in the, in the last sort of seven, eight games, and he even did it against Manchester City, he makes those saves. And I just didn't think he was making those saves uh, against Benfica. It wasn't, it wasn't his fault that he went in. Uh, and, I, and I thought that that save wasn't in line with the way that, that, he, that he played, but you just sense that at that moment he realised, fuck, I've got to get to this. I've got to get these keepers out of the net because otherwise it gets really, really hairy. And so, full steam ahead, Trevor. I mean, and this is not having a go at, at, at Matip because Matip played at the experience in the back four, but had that been Virgil, it, it, it might just have been different. Isn't it? it might just have been different. So, uh, having said all of that, I thought the, the left back uh, did really well as an attacking option. Got forward, put in some really beautiful crosses. So that was a positive. Yeah, I I think there's no two ways about it. But we have a real footballer on our hands there. Um, you know, he probably starts for most other Premier League teams. He's really really good. I mean, it's it's indisputable at this stage. He has some stat as well in terms of his minutes on the pitch per, per contribution and all that type of stuff. He's really, really high up there in terms of those ratios. I do love the shape he puts in the ball with his crosses and his corners. Those outswingers are beautiful. And yeah, he, 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 he's got energy. He's got, he's, 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 he's uh, very good at tracking back as well and doing that side of things too. So that's, that's a real bonus. Um, you know, and it's not fair to compare Joe Gomez on the other flank. He's able to do certain things possibly better than Trent, but then can't do the things that Trent can do. And let's face it, Jan, who who can? Um, but it, it just feels to me like hopefully, as you say, on all given evidence, should we return to the tried and trusted that hopefully we can expect to see that concession rate go down considerably again. 
because we're going to need that to be the case if we're being honest now between now and the end of the year and maybe this was Jurgen saying look it's an opportunity it's a rare fucking opportunity I get to rest Virgil van Dijk and Mo Salah I'm going to take it uh, and it, it, it will possibly end up being a bit of a masterstroke I hope it does I genuinely hope it does one further thing two sorry two further things then uh, your take on this Nunes kid because he's been mentioned with almost every club except Liverpool and I'm looking at him, Jan, and I can see him fitting in tremendously with our uh, team. Um, and he's the kind of lad that I think we should be looking at in the summer. But then again, if Mo Salah signs a contract, I don't think there's anybody coming back this way unless someone like Sadio goes. So what's your take on uh, Darwin Nunes? I thought he did really well over the two games. Uh, I mean, obviously, you, you, you know, you're not going to be, it's not going to be, his best performance ever because it's difficult to play against Liverpool at the best of times. But I like his attitude. He played up front as a nine. He, he played wide left in the in the second half at Anfield. And the one thing, and I guess this is what you've looked at, Trevor, and you think he'll fit in with us, is obviously his work rate, but also his desire to run forward, his desire to run in behind, which, you, you know, if you can get players who want to run in behind, you're halfway there, aren't you? So I, I like him. There's a lot to be liked about him. He's also a handful in the air, uh, and he's obviously had a, a, a superb. I think he's scored 30 goals now this season for Benfica. So one thing's for sure, he won't be playing for Benfica next year. It's just a question of where. But I would like to see him at Anfield. You know, I think he's got real potential. You were in the ground last night, right, for the game? Yes, I was, yes. So I have to say, um, there were periods during the game where I thought, Fucking hell, the atmosphere here is just absolutely fantastic. The Clap song in particular uh, was remarkable. That Beatles tune that they've uh, repurposed for for Jurgen's song is it was just super. It felt like a celebratory atmosphere all the way through. So the last question I have for you was: Was there ever any stage where there was any kind of angst in the ground? Uh, where it, it, you know when it went three three, was there a little bit of worry then? Did you sense anything at all like that? Because that used to be a real feature when we hadn't won things, but now we're so good at doing stuff in the last minute that I, I think there's a, it's not complacency, but there's a confidence or, or, or a kind of a, a calm around the place. Did you hear, feel or sense anything creeping in when they got their third? So the commentator I work with is, is not one of the guys I, I normally work with. Uh, and I think sometimes commentators and pundits feel that because you have the right to it competition, you have to chalk it up. So he, he was kept talking about this, you know, this tight game and this exciting game. And, and I just kept saying, you're on your own, mate, because I'm not joining in. You know, this this is done and dusted. You know, I mean, we were winning 3-1. I said, they have to score five to go through. So I, I can't I can't sit here and tell the viewers this is exciting. And because I said that, I thought when they equalised three, all I better have a look. I'll have a little look around the stands, in it, but there wasn't any, you know, there was nothing. There's a few people nudging others going, oh, well, that was a nice goal, wasn't it? You know what I mean? But there was nobody inside Anfield who thought there was going to be anything other than, than Liverpool heading to the semi-final. But I do agree. And it was one of those moments with the Jurgen Klopp song where you kind of go, oh, I haven't heard that. You know, that's 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 that's, that's, that's a belter, isn't it? So here we go again. We could have another one because obviously we heard the Bobby Firmino song on a couple of occasions because of his goals, Trevor. And, you know, whatever you think of it, <laughs> that's a fucking great song, isn't it? Ah, uh, yeah. I, like these are the things that make the club different. You know, I, I've I've been thinking about this an awful lot. You know, I've I've started even writing something about. It. I think it's there's just you know obviously I'm biased, but there's just something a bit different 
and 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 just it's so much so much more we, enjoyable we, about we react uh, about, we react very well to our teams, don't we, and our new players and whatever, you know what I mean? Obviously, we have our sort of universal songs that we also sung in the 60s and 70s, but we, we sort of deal well with different periods, don't we, you know what I mean, with the songs and everything else. That's it, yeah, the the, the sort of welcoming thing, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just, listen, it's just a great time, and part of that is looking forward to more big games, and, you know, we've got City, we've kind of talked a little bit about City, and what I think I'll do is just quickly go through one thing with you which is do you assume as i do that he's not going to do too much tinkering now and that it's going to be as strong an 11 as he can put out or do you think the fact that united follows so hot on its heels on tuesday uh will influence that i think we i mean we we briefly spoke about this in the press box and and and, and i think we showed our hands i think we've shown our hands to manchester city i actually thought that both teams for this FA Cup semi-final might have gone a little bit light, you know, in terms of what I expect the strongest lines are. We might have rested two, three, four each. But I don't think that's going to be the case now. Now, Pep can't be in any doubt what Jürgen's going to do. Uh, so, so it's just a question of what Pep does, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, all in or flat to the board for the semi-final from our point of view. And also, when I was at the game last night, so you look at the players when they warm up, and you've also got the 11 that's starting the game, and then you've got all this array of, of world talent that's not starting the game. But they were they, they, they were just having a great crack, you know what I mean? Because they knew, you know, it's not like, if there's two or three of being left out, you think, am I dropped here or what? But there were so many of them, they knew they were just being rested for, for the next big game, isn't it? So the atmosphere is a good, isn't it? So no, I can't see it. It's, it's full to the board. Full to the board for Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then, depending on what happens in it, but yeah, United. Uh, it's a horrible game, United, isn't it? Because they're so bad that you can't see anything other. But then you go, well, what about the history of the game? Or what about everything the game brings, isn't it? So, yeah. Two games against Manchester, hey? Yeah, followed by a game against Everton, followed by a Champions League semi-final. This is this is where it's all starting to get really crazy. And we thought April looked bananas until last night happened and the Reds advanced to the uh, semi-finals where they will play Villarreal. The first leg is at home uh, on the 27th of April. Uh, that's not specifically ideal in and of itself. The second leg is out in Villarreal at... Uh, on the 3rd of May. Um, so that's just some two or three days turnaround after the Newcastle game. So we've got absolutely monstrous games coming every few days now. Uh, it's 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 a crazy, crazy time. I'll come back to you on City just for a prediction because, honestly, there's so much stuff in the air. Um, it's more about how you feel it's going to go at this stage because, like you say, City, you know, theoretically could be down a couple of important players for them. Pep may pull a bit of a shocker and not go compart- not go as strong as he can because he's decided to prioritise or who knows, things could happen. Jürgen could do that. That could still happen. It's only an assumption on my part and on, I think on most people's part that he's going to go strong, judging by, as you say, the comparative possible showing of the hand in the selection for last night. So it's going to be it's it's almost impossible to, to 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 decide what's going to happen there. However, with the game that follows hot in its heels afterwards, which is on Tuesday night, 
at Anfield against Manchester United, we can think, okay, it's a league game and we need to play our best and win every game. So you'd imagine he's going to go as strong as possible against Manchester United regardless. But again, considering the what's at stake uh, specifically, I think that's probably going to be the case. And look, we look at the, the current uh, league table and, and United have dropped on the back of their most recent result to seventh uh, on 31 games played on 51 points. Um, they're level with uh, West Ham, who have a game more played. So they could possibly jump up into sixth. But that's looking like the height of their ambitions because Arsenal are three points clear of them and they have a game in hand in fifth on 54. And Spurs, who've the same amount of games played, that's 31, are six points ahead of them in fourth. So I think it's safe to say that barring some sort of absolute collapse by Spurs and Arsenal combined, United and West Ham, United are pretty much done in terms of Champions League chat. I, I don't think that's too big of a, of, of a stretch. So with that in mind and with that context, we have to start looking at what's left in their season and then we can see that it's the league, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so so we come back to it now and we put it in context. Their last few outings, they lost 1-0 to Everton at Everton's place. I don't think too many people would have seen that coming, to be honest. They had a one-all draw with uh, Leicester uh, at home at, at Old Trafford um, previous to that. Uh, on Saturday, the second of April, uh, they had the uh, the the Atletico game before that, where they went out to them. Uh, they did beat Tottenham three two, which was a big result for them. Uh, they got tonked four one by City uh, in the derby. Uh, at least that's what the scoreline would say. And before that was a nil nil draw with Watford, a one all with Atletico in the first leg of that, and you're going back to the 20th of February where they had a sizable win over uh, Leeds, um, a four two game uh, away win. So their form is not as atrocious as you know. It's it, it's easy to lean into how awful they are. Right, uh, because of their league position and because it, it's Man United and because r- for right or wrong, the expectation remains that they should be challenging for everything. Um, however, they're not awful. It's easy to dis- you, fans these days. I'm not talking about you, Jan, but I'm talking about fans use these kind of terms, these kind of um, you know, just just exaggerated terms like oh that lot, they're shite. Yeah, you can't say that. But we have to assess what they can possibly, the threat that they can possibly pose to our title challenge. And and that's when it starts to get real in my head, Jan, because those fuckers will want to do everything they can, everything they can. It'll be their Champions League final if they manage to beat us. And I don't care if that sounds like a, like a, like a cliche or dismissive against them. You, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me that this game doesn't mean the world to them. And then with that in mind, have they enough to do us? Have they enough to do us over? Well, see, that's a big question, isn't it? But but but, but in terms of, yeah, it means everything to them. Uh, I mean, I've been fortunate or unfortunate to, to, to be at their last couple of games. And, uh, but, uh, sorry, Leicester at Old Trafford, you know, there was no real anger from the stands. People kind of just walked away and gone, that's our season. That's the way we played all season, inconsistency. But this is different, isn't it? When they play Liverpool, it's different. 
So there'll be a pride thing. There'll be a demand. You know, their end, they'll sell all their away tickets and that group of fans will, will demand. This is the one game where you don't get away with anything, you know what I mean? You can maybe get away with it in some of the lesser games and missing a tackle or whatever, but this is the one game where you have to show, show some pride. So if they find some pride and desire and you can get good players organised, because they are good players, then, then they're a handful. And if you look at, you know, you talk about Ronaldo, Pogba, Bruno Fernandes, Marcus Rashford, Jaden Sancho. I mean, they're just the attacking talent they have to pick from, isn't it? You know, and it's only one or two of them who have to hit it on the day. And, and, and they're going to be a handful. So, I mean, let's be careful with this 5 nil at, 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 at Old Trafford, isn't it? You know what I mean? That's not necessarily how the game's going to go. Is it? There's every chance it's, it's, it's going to be tricky, isn't it? But the one thing that we do have in our favour is that they failed to find so this was the great thing with Klopp, wasn't it, when he came in straight where we found the system and this is how we play. And it took a while before we got really good at it, but we knew how we played. United don't know how they want to play. You know, so, so that in itself is, 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 is in our favour, isn't it? You know, they, 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 don't, they don't have anything where they can revert back to type. But you always have to be aware. You mentioned the, uh, the 3-2 win at Old Trafford against Tottenham, Ronaldo hat-trick. You know, so they are more than capable. When you have a look at, you know, the current situation for them, which is complicated by the fact that uh, they've made this arrangement with Eric Ten Hag, uh, potential four-year deal to become uh, manager. Um, I think Ten Hag is like early 50s uh, and he'd be taken over from Ralph Rannick. Well, what happens with Rannick, I'm not sure. I think there'll be some sort of, uh, you know, move sideways or laterally or, 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 or whatever in the club potential for him. I think that was possibly part of his deal. But it leaves you with a situation now where you have, for right or wrong, a, a lame duck manager, right, uh, who potentially already had issues with, with players. So, I mean... We'll worry about the Eric Ten Hag influence uh, uh, in in a minute because I'm, I'm I'm curious to hear your take on that. But that in and of itself, Jan, that in and of it, of itself seems to leave it even more in the, one of the categories where it's going to require those players to sort of almost motivate themselves in a way, isn't it? You know, because what 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 can Ralph Rangnick say now, really? You know what I mean? What 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 authority does he wield now? Uh, well, and I think the answer is fuck all, right? I, I, is, am I wrong? On all given evidence, Trevor. Yeah. Fuck all. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's had he's had no impact since he's come in. He hasn't been able to weight them. He hasn't been able to motivate them. You know, and he also looks like he hasn't been able to coach them. You know, so on all given evidence, it doesn't look like he's had any impact. And I agree with you. It won't be anything he does leading up to the game, that will decide whether they put in performance or not. The players will decide whether they want to put in performance or not. So that brings us to his successor, which is worth just discussing briefly, seeing as it is news that's broken uh, in recent days, uh, that Eric Ten Hag will take over as manager. I, I think it's almost assured there might be a little... Uh, a little possible chance that it mightn't happen yet, but I, I think it's almost as good as done. Confirmation is probably going to happen 
by the end of April. Uh, there's too much chat about it, I think, at this stage. You know, there's Pochettino is being linked and so, and so on, but this seems to be the thing. Now, Ten Hag is pretty successful in terms of his Ajax career. He did get them to a Champions League semi-final, uh, and he's looking at, I think, three league titles in five years, um, or he's certainly leading the club to their third in five I'm looking at as well, I think he he has some other stat for, um, I think, the f- the first person, I think, to get 100 Eredivisie wins in only 128 league games, uh, the, uh, the fastest to ever do that. And again, I don't know if that just speaks to how dominant Ajax currently are and how little competition there is for them or whatever. I'm not sure. I, 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 I won't profess to know the, the ins and outs of the Eredivisie strength currently or over the last season or two. Um, but is this guy possibly, Jan, the, the, the guy they've been looking for, do you think? Is is there potential in this lad to be the, the one who brings them back to where they believe they should be? So in, in, in terms of... Uh... Erickson Hag, I mean, he's not the first Ajax coach to do well. You know, Ajax have had a lot of success uh, over the last 60-odd years now, so it's not unusual for a Ajax coach to be talked about in, in glowing terms. But, of course, this boy has took him to the Champions League semi-final, then they sold all the key players and they rebuilt another team, isn't it? And he's got a very clear idea of how he wants to play. But he is protected, Trevor. There is very few clubs in the world who protect their coats as well as Ajax do because of the structure. And the structure starts right right down at the age of five and six, the way they produce their own players, the way that they buy players, the way that they always sell players to make sure that they have money to, to carry on doing the things that they want to do. Isn't it? So Manchester United have to, they have to change. They have to change. They have to make the manager the star. You know, they have to bring in and go, listen, this is the guy in charge. There is no more channels for you players to go crying about everything this guy is in charge now, isn't it? And then we have to find the ones who want to be part of it. And then, of course, also, we have to find somebody. You know, and this would be relatively new for Eric Ten Hag if he has to be involved in that process of buying players because he, would, he wouldn't have a lot to do with that, Ajax. Uh, that's for sure. So, so, so they will have to find a Michael Edwards to buy the players for Eric Ten Hag. But they would have to buy the type of players who can play in his system. They don't have a way of playing. They haven't had a way of playing for a lot of years. Hence, they've ended up all, with all these players that don't fit the system. So, I don't know. As much as you want to look at it and go, yeah, of course the boys got a chance. Because Manchester United's a big club. There'll never be a, a, a lack of funding for a manager. Uh, but, but, but is he the guy? I don't know. I mean, fast-moving, brutal Premier League. Expectations from day one. Could he be eaten alive? I think it's I think it's a really interesting one. You know, I mean, I fully understand how they've ended, where they've ended, because what they want is a project, isn't it? They want a man. It's a bit like Klopp when Klopp came in and said, "Listen, you know, within four years, I'm yeah. going to do A, B, and C." It's all very good saying it, then you need a plan to do it. And I think Eric Ten Hag would be the same. Listen, in three, four, or five years, I can guarantee you that I can do these things. The interesting bit is to see if he can. Klopp did, and this boy, he certainly doesn't have the same CV, the same background, the same experience as Klopp. Yeah, it'll also be very interesting to see if he's, if he's granted that time, um, which seems to be such a luxury these days. And look, um, we will watch that with interest, but, you know, we are still in a reality, Jan, where I may well be able to get that T-shirt that says the, the up the four trophy reds 
I'm I'm hanging on to it. I'm not letting it go until it's not a thing. And I hope it's I still hope it could possibly be crazy and all as it is. We hoped that we'd be looking back on a comparatively decent result against City. We got that. We hoped we'd be looking back in a team that was after progressing to the Champions League final. We got that. That was the end of the last show. This this show we're looking forward to. Uh, but the the possibility of progressing to a Wembley final and the possibility of beating the old uh, rivals Manchester United and keeping our league title challenge on track. So with that in mind, how do you see those two particular games going? I I think it's going to be massive for Klopp to get the players right from the first whistle at, at, at Wembley. You know, I think all Klopp is going to be talking about leading up to Wembley is going to be intensity. Because I, I, I'm sure he's watched uh, Manchester City play in the last couple of games. And you can see, heavy legs, they're struggling. So I think intensity will be everything, isn't it? I always thought that these games would be as tight as they are. I, I think we'll win on Saturday. Uh, and my, my instinct tells me that we will we'll get to a penalty shootout, which we normally win. Uh, the news about Carl Walker and Kevin De Bruyne, Get much to change my mind and think that we might be able to do it in 90 or 120 years. But my instinct right now is that he'll go all the way to penalties. I don't know if Liverpool ever lose any penalty shootouts, Trevor. I don't seem to remember too many, isn't it? So, yeah, through to the cup final via penalty shootout. And then Manchester United. I mean, the Manchester United game, the key is obviously how early, if we score in that game, how early. Can we break the back? Because I don't think it's going to take a lot. I even said that for the Everton game on Saturday. If Everton score first, I find it difficult to see Manchester United reacting. And it'll be the same at Anfield. The earlier, the better. Uh, so, 3-0 on the Tuesday night at Anfield. That'll do one at Trevor. That will do, man. That will do. I look forward to chatting to you, hopefully next Thursday, about just that. Um, we will be back with you then, folks. But for this one, Jan, an absolute belter as always. So thanks very much. Yeah, we must, yes, again, uh, thank Steve Nichols for his uh, participation. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, he's he's a wonderful presence in this uh, in this particular podcast ongoing long way to continue uh, that was Jan Mulby who you are lucky enough to be listening to via Anfield Index Pro I've been Trev Downey and we'll be back with you again next week we hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, We'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.